this evening. May none of us leave the same, oh God. We worship you. In Jesus' name, you were the word at the
worship you. We thank you for your word that is coming to us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. And the saints said, Amen. We may take our seats in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to conclude with our message today. We'll try our best. I think we can make it. The straight and narrow gate. Hallelujah. The straight and narrow gate. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Let's look at it with the NLT. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. Uh, you see, as we keep, uh, we've heard this, this is the fifth. So we've heard it five times. It will be glued into our minds that the highway to hell is easy. <laughs> but the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few ever find it. Only a few. Lucas 13, 23 and 24. <laughs> very few. Very few. It is very, very wild. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? So that's a good question. That's like you and I will ask. Jesus, is it only a few people who will be saved and the rest go to hell? Let's see. He replied, their door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in because many will try to enter. So therefore, very few will enter. Wow. So we're going to talk about how to enter into the narrow gate. So these things, um, the, the points or, or the, 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 the points or the list of things we need to do to enter the narrow gate will not be exciting and will not be easy. That's why Jesus said, very few people will try to enter the, the uh, very few people will be able to get into the narrow way. Many will try to find it, but only few will get in. But most people will get in, in to the broad road, which is easy. And that is the road to hell. So the points that, uh, the, 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 the points I'm listing cannot be easy or exciting. Otherwise, it will be the broad. The easy and exciting are the way to hell. Let's go back to Mark, uh, 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 Mark 7. 13 and 14. Let's read it one more time. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Narrow means small. You know, it's not a big one. The highway to, it's like a narrow road. How many have uh, uh, driven through a narrow bridge? <clears throat> there was a very narrow bridge, very high in New York. Was it New York? Yeah, New York, New Jersey. I was right. I, I, I rented a car and I was driving through. It was so narrow that I had to call my sister to talk so that I, can go, I could go through. Very narrow. And cars were honking. And I said, you have to go over me because I'm going to go slow. And then when we got down, 
Then I showed them that, okay, I also know how to drive. I'm not slow. I didn't even go too fast, but I went fast enough so that they know that it is because it was the narrow bridge. So it's so narrow that not many cars can go through. But when you look at the George Washington Bridge or some of the many big bridges all over the world, you see maybe six, seven lanes, some of them five lanes, some of them four lanes, broad. But the narrow one, very few can go, very few cars can go through. How I many are getting what I'm saying? Especially at the same time. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway is to hell is broad and its gate is wide, the gates of hell. For the many who choose the easy way, remember the easy way, but the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few ever find it. So it means that only a few ever find the narrow gate and therefore only the few ever do these points. Wow. I thought you were here, wow. Wow. How do you enter the narrow gate? This is not going to be convenient. Number one, count the cost. The cost of discipleship. You need to count the cost. Now the great crowds, Lucas 14, 25 to 33. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if any man comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Cannot. And you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. So, so it's, it's continuous. Don't, don't begin. Don't try to follow me yet. Don't, don't begin this journey until you've counted the cost. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who, who would begin a construction? Or who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates? And then checking to see if there is enough money to pay the bills. Because I like, show me exactly the full details. I don't want surprises later on. Show me everything. When you show it to me, then I can count the cost. But if you don't show it to me, I don't know what the cost is. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then, how everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Or what kind, what king would ever dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat the 20,000 soldiers who are marching against him? Now, there are some 10,000 people armies which can defeat 100,000 armies, I'm sure. Because it took the Spartans, 300 Spartans. They were able to, to stand strong and firm against the Persian army. Of course, eventually they were taken down. But they stood their ground. 300. How much more? 10,000. So when God is with you, anything can happen. Even though these were Spartans from Greek, the Greek area. Hallelujah. If he is not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. So no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. But now, people 
don't give up anything keep it and they say let's add christianity to it but christianity don't dare try to affect my life i'm not going to keep anything i'm rather wanting jesus to give me things i'm not going to give up anything for christ that is the broad easy road and jesus said it so no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me it doesn't mean go and sell everything and go to the uh, homeless shelter no it just means in your heart and your mind you've given up everything you've given up your life for jesus in your heart and your life nothing matters but jesus that's what he's seeing hallelujah now let me give you um, a very important disclaimer in fact that will come at the end uh, yes that's what come at the end let's continue we're finishing today that's number one number two by giving and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ without salvation there is there is none other name other heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved look at Acts 4 12 there is salvation in no one else there is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them let's use king james for this one neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven giving among men whereby we must be saved hallelujah the third we talked about is true faith which is demonstrated by works or action james 2 13 and 14. Hallelujah to Jesus. James 2, 13. Let's use NLT for 13 and then we'll slip back to King James for 14. Well, let's stick with NLT for 13 and 14. Uh, sorry, NLT for 13 and 14. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. So this is to you, myself, and to those watching that it is more important to be merciful to others so that God will be merciful to you. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win over, win out over his judgment against you. So, there's a lot of mercy. You are someone with a lot of good fruits and mercy. God takes a note of it. Then when he meets you and I and he's judging us, we will... 100.00% guarantee that you and I will need mercy and he'll give it to us we are not even talking about mercy for heaven hell that one has been paid for by Christ but there are many other things that we need mercy for on earth and also when we meet Christ Amen. for example your works maybe even rewards maybe you've missed it like I will miss it a few times we'll all miss it maybe we're supposed to do things in a certain way for Christ and we didn't do it and we were going to lose something and God will say look my mercy will triumph over you also on earth actually we need a lot of mercy here on earth a lot a lot of mercy a lot of mercy now verse 14 is where we're looking dear brothers and sisters what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions that kind of faith can't save anyone cannot amplified for verse 14 cannot isn't that scary so there are many people who 
uh, uh, feel that giving your life to Christ is not a matter of coming to the front and saying the sinner's prayer. I disagree with those people. They've missed it when they say that. I believe it's very important. They feel that you need to just live a life of faith. But you are, what about Romans 10, 9 and 10? So we need to confess it. But after confessing it, the journey starts. Then we need to live the life of faith. But many Christians say the sinner's prayer and feel that I've said it, I'm a Christian. But they don't live the life of faith and therefore don't prove their faith by their action. What is the benefit to my fellow believers if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Evidence. Jesus saw the paralytic and the Bible says Jesus seeing their faith. Can that kind of faith save him? No. A mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. Let me repeat that again. This is very important. What is the benefit? My fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence, can that kind of faith save him? God answers it, no. A mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. Number four, by loving the brethren. By loving the brethren. Galatians 5, and 23. I've said a lot about the others. Um, but, well, let's look at John 13, 34, and 35. I've said a lot about the first John. But let me say John 13, 34, 35, and then I'll read a few others and we continue. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus said, so now I am giving you a new commandment or a clarification of the commandment of God. Because this is just quoting from the, the, the Bible. Love each other just as I have loved you. So the Old Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself. Then love God. So love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus is telling them that, let me explain this to you. I am showing you what Deuteronomy and I think it's Leviticus or Numbers, one of, uh, 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 and the scriptures say about love. Now I'm telling you that you must love each other. But, okay, you must love each other. So I'm giving you this understanding that love each other as I have loved you. That is the same love you must have one for another. But I want to just say that this is also different from loving your neighbor. Which is the first commandment and the second commandment. Sorry, which is the second commandment. The second commandment is the one in Numbers or Leviticus. The greatest commandment is Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. But that is different from this. Yes, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Now Leviticus, let me get to that verse. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Uh, Leviticus 19.18 Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that is where the first command the greatest commandment is Deuteronomy 6 4 and 5 then the second commandment Jesus quoted is Leviticus 19 18 
but that is not kind so that that is true but jesus is explaining this verse but but giving us a deeper understanding of it now go back to john 13 uh, 34 and 35 now Jesus is John the uh, first John John the revelator is giving more detail about what Jesus was saying in this verse because this verse is not talking about your neighbor but the fellow brethren the, the brethren the Christian brethren because you prove you are a disciple not because per se you love your neighbor as yourself but because you love the brethren that is the proof of discipleship which we've read many times in first John and Jesus is saying now because the basic thing of a Christian is to fulfill the greatest commandment which is to love God and the second which is to love your neighbor but the proof of Christianity so it means that number one are you a Christian if you are a Christian you love your, your, your the, you love your fellow Christian now the Christian who has proved he's a Christian by loving the fellow brethren now has to obey the first two commandments to show that to to have a higher rank because proof of christianity is loving the brethren so once you've loved the brethren you are at par you are you've done the basic christian duty now move past the brethren to your neighbor that's the first and the second sorry that's the second greatest commandment are you getting what i'm saying because you might you see because loving the brethren is proof anyone who does not love the brethren is not a christian and therefore deuteronomy 6 uh, sorry leviticus and uh, it's 19 18 will not hold you won't have the ability to love your neighbor as yourself look at leviticus 19 you won't have the, the ability is it 1918 or 1819 1819 hallelujah Leviticus 19 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Are you getting me? Let me start again. Did you get that? So, number one, what is the proof of a Christian? You love the brethren. Now, you are a Christian because you love the brethren. Now, obey the first commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself as the second commandment. But that is what a christian is supposed to do now let's go back to amen let's go back to john you can put your hands together for the lord john 13 34 and 35 and let's see it i won't go to the first john ones because we've read it we've been reading it every week so now i'm giving you a new commandment love each other now jesus is talking to who he's talking to the disciples and the people around and he's telling them love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That, that's the proof. Because you love each other. You, you love your fellow Christian because it was the believers who were walking with Jesus he was speaking to. Jesus was talk, walking and talking and he was speaking to them and telling them, love each other. The way I have loved you, this is the way you should love each other. This will demonstrate to the world that you are Christians. But look at verse 35 in King James. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Of course, all men means the world. But it's specific to all men 
which means the world. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. How many are getting me? Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love looks, doesn't look significant. If you think about it, in a Christian life, if there's a seminar on love and a seminar on faith, love will be very empty, the seminar. But faith will be packed. <laughs> but love is greater than faith. And we need faith too. Let's not use faith because faith is also very powerful. If you have love and you have finance, finances, love, usually the next room is finances, love will only be people who understand the Bible. Everyone will rush to finances. Because what you don't realize is that faith works by love. When you have love, your faith will be perfected and you will have the money you need. You can put your hands together for Jesus. Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit controls your lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, the first. Love. And this love is agape. Different from the agapo, which Jesus said in 1 John says. The agapo is to love, to wish well, to take pleasure in, to long for. That is the proof of Christianity by loving the brethren. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is agape, which is f uh, uh, um, benevolent love. You know, the love God has, similar to the love God has, unconditional, benevolent, benevolent love, etc., etc. That is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when you have love, everything else continues. When you have love, all this will follow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Going to 23, please. Gentleness and self-control. There, here, there is no conflict with the law. For such, there is no law. It means that when you do these things, you don't even need to be reading the law. When you obey the first two commandments, like Romans, uh, 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 is it Romans 13.8? Let's go to Romans 13.8. When you fulfill Romans 13.8, you have fulfilled the law. You don't need to start calculating. The law says this. The law says this. The law says this. No, 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 no. Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. Just by loving your neighbor. Even though James says, if you love and you have respect of persons, you commit. That, that one we'll talk about that later on. First Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yes. We, uh, we can read Matthew 22, uh, the greatest commandment, and Mark 12 uh, later on. But let's continue. How many are getting what I'm talking about? Now, let me just say something quick about love. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. I'll state this, but later on, when we are talking about love in more detail, I'll bring it up. But this is a very strange, wild verse. Because this is something that Jesus is telling us that he's going to do. This is not a parable. Now, why would Jesus send people to hell only because they didn't help the poor? This is not a parable. This, this is real-time reality. Hmm. 
So the poor, uh, let me show you something. I will go into it another time. Before, okay, look at First John three eighteen, and I will come back here. It ties in. I'll just touch on it because I want to finish today. Dear children, okay, let's go to 17. But if anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. So this is connected to the brethren. Now let's go back to Matthew. Now it's very interesting that Matthew is also talking about brethren. But when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, practical is not a parable. And all angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. It's going to happen practically. And he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry and you fed me. Now you can see this clearly similar to the first John we just read. That we know that love is the only way to prove that you are a Christian. First John says that the one who loves is born of God. The one who does not love does not know God. Then this is explained. You understand? And then first John also says that you cannot really love if you, you see someone in need and you don't help them. Oh, okay, let's go, go. let's go back quickly. How many are getting me? Now, Jesus is telling us that some people are going to heaven, and this is the reason. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. That's why the outreach we are going to, yes, there's outreach for church growth. We, we are doing that. That's why we go to the apartments. But there's outreach for Christianity, which is this. You can put your hands together for Jesus. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. This is why the prison ministry, I think they've, they've sent us information. Yeah. <laughs> we are going. It's working. <laughs> I was in prison and you visited me. That's why we'll be visiting. That's why we visit. We'll visit the prisoners. Only because of this verse only because of this verse. There's no other reason for me to go to visit the prisoners. Honestly speaking, I'm being honest with you. I'd, I'm not that kind of person who is that a good, wow, what a good Madame Teresa. No, it's because of this. <laughs> let's go back to the, let's, let's go back. Verse 36. I was naked, I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Continue. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Or a stranger and showed you hospitality? Or naked and gave you clothing? 
When did we ever see you in sick or in prison and visit you? Now this shows that the brethren is part of this. And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, the fellow Christians, you were doing it to me. When the King James says, look, look go, 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 go to the verse before. Oh, yeah, no. Let's take our time. Uh, well, why, we, we cannot be here because we've not even started talking about the. Yes, let's, let's stay here. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Go to the next verse. And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now wait, go to King James here. Just verse 40. I want to show you a, a key word that's used there, which is used in the other places in First John. Just good. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, the brethren, the brethren, the brethren. First John talks about the brethren. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren, the fellow Christians. You have done it unto me. Let's go back to NLT. Now when you see brothers and sisters, just put brethren there. NLT verse 41. Am I preaching to somebody? Amen. Then the king will turn to those on the left hand. I don't want to be told this. And we, we cannot be told this. If you've gone to prison, you've gone on outreach, you cannot be told that when you are going to the poor people. God cannot tell you that. Can he tell you that? How is he going to tell you when he's truth? When you are helping the poor, when you are giving to the poor, I can't wait to show you how from Old Testament to New Testament, Christianity and anyone who knows God helps the poor. That is, that is a Christian duty. And when you read Old Testament, I'll show you examples that say that you are wicked if you don't help the poor. Wicked. When I read it, I said, hey, wicked. I don't want to be called wicked by God. <laughs> then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons this is when i this verse is what showed me long ago that god never prepared hell for any human being hell was not prepared for a single person but for the devil and his angels for i was hungry and you didn't feed me i was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink this is the charge i was a stranger someone will say ah I have my money. If I didn't give to someone, how can I go to hell for this? I was a stranger and you didn't give, invite me into your home. I was naked and you gave me no clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord. So they called him Lord. They called him Lord. The separation of the sheep from the goats. Where I believe Christians who will be separated because unbelievers will not call him Lord. You can put your hands together for the Lord. It's the truth. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and not help you? And he will answer, I assure you, when you refuse to help the least of these my brethren 
or brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into everlasting life. So, that, so I'll show you from the Bible later on, not in this message, that righteousness, acts of righteousness are acts of helping the poor. Because a Christian cannot do anything to be righteous, but just having faith in Jesus Christ. So what can we do to be righteous? I'm not sorry, but faith in Jesus Christ. But what can we do to live out, act out our righteousness? Helping the poor, and of course, not sinning. Amen. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into everlasting life. Yes. We'll talk about that in detail later. But let's finish the message. Wow. Huh. I pray that I'll get to the point where I'll, my, the, if I'm going to compete with someone, it's out giving to the poor. That, that's a good competition. And then we laugh at it, about it and we joke about it. Yes, yes, yes. I, I give, yeah, it's a nice one because the competition will help more people. Isn't it a good competition? Yeah. Versus competing about different things, you know, unnecessary things. No, this is a good one. Rockefeller and some of the others, they started competing with who give more to charity. Hey! May you and I give, may you and I give millions to charity. Millions. May you and I help millions of people. Millions of people. If only Christians understood the opportunity of helping the poor. So when we, you get an opportunity to help, if only we understood. That's how come Cornelius. Cornelius, there were many Jews. He was a proselyte. A proselyte is a, is a non-Jewish person who, is a Jude, who practices Judaism. Hallelujah. So he was a devout man, even though he was a Roman soldier. He, he feared God. And he prayed to God all the time. And he gave alms to the poor. So because of the alms to the poor and the prayers, God said, no, I cannot let this guy perish without knowing Jesus. So I'm going to send an angel. An angel to him. Supernatural. I'm going to do a supernatural thing because of the charity. He gave generously to charity. Acts 10 to 2. To charity. And there was a man who prayed regularly. Regularly prayed to God. And, and look for another version. This other version say he gave generously to the poor. Which version is that? NIV, get, get one of the versions. So that if someone is confused about the word charity, which Oh, please. Just look for the version that says poor. He gave generously to the poor. There, there are a number of them. And you have the Bible. Let me find one. Don't, don't, just, don't just bring it up. <laughs> Make sure it says to the poor. Because there are many. Let me just look. Acts 10.2. Don't just bring it up. Uh, is that? Yeah, charitable donations to the Jewish people. But let me get... Uh, I think it's, it's enough, right? But let me just throw in. Okay, look at NIV. I don't know why you didn't bring NIV. Look at NIV. 
He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Why are you still in Amplified? NIV. He gave generously to those in need. Yeah. Okay. Strange. Okay, so how many get in? Now that's number four. Number five, by praying always. We talked about that. By praying always. Always pray. Then we read Luke 21, 34 to 36. Luke 21, 34 to 36. I'll read it whilst you think you're searching. And take heed to yourselves. Let me use NLT. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. And by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. And pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. That comes by praying. Keep a constant watch and pray. John 10, 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hands so he gives them eternal life they will never perish who are those people those who I know he, he, he knows they know him they hear his voice and they follow him amen let's so my sheep hear my voice verse 27 so number one, we hear his voice by reading his word. And I know them. God must know you. And they follow me. The next verse, and I, and, what? and I give unto them eternal life. So it's prayer in the word. How many are getting me? We said a lot about it last week. Number six, hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. Second Timothy 4. One to five. NLT. And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be persistent. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. Encouragement is only one third. Correct and rebuke is two thirds. But many people make it 90% encourage and 10% rebuke and correct. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming. When people will no longer listen to right teaching, they will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them 
whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. So it's just being careful. Uh, uh, um, just being careful to make sure that when you say hearing the word of God, making sure it's hearing the right thing. Amen? I think we we're talking about it on Sunday. That sometimes you can hear the wrong thing and you will not be excused. If you are hearing the wrong thing, God expects us to read the Bible. So if you hear the wrong thing and we don't do what the Bible requires because we heard the wrong thing, we are not going to be excused from hell or from whatever we need to get. How many are getting what I'm saying? Because God did not say anything but we as individuals should read the Bible for ourselves. So whatever is in the Bible, God expects us to read it. How many are getting what I'm saying? So it's very important for us to know, thank you, it's very important for us to know that what we hear matters. And also, after hearing, we must have our personal quiet time. You see, there are some churches that the members have know more about the Bible than the pastor. <laughs> yeah. So we must learn the Bible so we know the Bible. All of us. It's not just the pastors. There are many churches that the members, some of the members know more about the, church, the, the Bible than the pastor. And sometimes when the pastor is preaching, they are like, no, this is not true. No, this is wrong. No, you are misquoting. No, that, this, this is what the verse means. <laughs> First John 1, 5 to 9. How many are hearing the message? Praise God. We'll keep it at King, uh, NLT. This is the message he has given us to announce to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not living in the truth. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all, every sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from everything wrong. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Go to verse 7 and use Amplified for verse 7. <clears throat> I want to show you something. But if we really walk in the light, that is living each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Some people thought it was having fellowship with fellow Christians. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin 
keeping us cleansed from sin in its all its forms and manifestations. Now, the key here is the light. You walk in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means to walk in his word. Glory to God. Yes. And when you read other verses, but even, even just so that we don't waste time, just even reading the Amplified explains it. But if we walk in the light, into brackets, that is live every, each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God. What are the precepts of God? The word of God. So walking in the light of his word. So the Bible is saying if we walk in the light as he is in the light, God and us has fellowship. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There could be things that we are falling short of that we don't know of. Imagine someone lies or someone curses or someone walks out of love or someone does something inappropriate and Christ comes immediately or they die immediately or they don't know they've committed a sin but they are walking in Jesus. They are walking in the word. They are going up. That's what this verse means. I don't mean intentional sin. Now I'm going down. No matter what, I mean, the verse will not support that. We are not talking about practice, but we are just talking about, okay, did, did, did you do this or not? Oh, I'm afraid. Okay, I, I, I didn't do it. You've sinned. But what is this verse saying? This verse, has anyone confessed yet? Let's go to, uh, 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 yeah, I, don't, I don't have time for, to explain, but okay, let's go to NLT. Uh, yes, let's go to NLT. NLT will make it easier. But I think it's pretty clear. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, let's use ESV, because the presence kind of, the, anyway, God's presence is his word, but some people might miss that. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, <clears throat> what does that mean? Cleanses us from all sin. Have you confessed here? Confession is verse... Uh, 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 which one is verse, verse 9, right? Verse 9. Yeah, if you confess our sins, go back to verse 7. Is verse, is, is there, did you here see any confession in verse 7? No. But the key to being cleansed from all sin is walking in the light. Because the fellow Christian, God doesn't have a marker. Okay, he did this, he did this, he did this. Okay, there's a cane. Okay, he did this. Pa! No. What about the times that you walked out of love? Because the Bible says anything, if you're not walking in love, you're, of course you are sinning. Anything that is not of faith is sin. To him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Oh, we do that all the time. Maybe I didn't walk in faith. I've sinned. I, 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 I didn't walk in faith. I've sinned. Maybe I should have given to someone or helped someone. I didn't help them. I've sinned, according to the Bible. But once I'm in the word, sometimes you will not realize you've sinned in that case. But the obvious ones, you need to confess your sins. But many times I say, God, forgive me. I mention the ones I know. And Lord, any other thing, just forgive me. Because you can't know. Are you, are you having a sheet to remember that I should have helped someone? I didn't help them. Because to him who knoweth to do good 
Can you get that verse? To him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I think it's in Corinthians. And then anything that is not of faith is sin. So what do we do with that? God says it is sin. But it is walking in the word, the light of his word. And of course, we all know John, John don't, don't turn to it, but we all know John chapter 1. John 1, uh, John 1, uh, 4 or 5 says, in the beginning was the word, you know, you know. And then it says, uh, 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 in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was God. The same was God in the beginning, all things were made by And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light of men. The light, the word, the light of men. So, walking in the light is walking in the word. Because the, the word is the light of men. In him was life, and the word was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay. Now let's go to James 4.17. Or oh, is it James? Oh. James 4.17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Nobody has done the general sins we all know. You are supposed to do something, you didn't do it, you've sinned. And that also deserves hell. But we are Christians. God is not going to take us to hell because he's looking forward to taking us to hell as Christians. I feel that if we are not walking in the light, then we are in trouble. Now, anything that is not of faith is sin. <clears throat> is that Corinthians? Am I preaching anything for... For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Just type that in. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Am I preaching? Do you understand? Is it clear? Amen. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Just I'll type it in. Okay. Oh, is it Romans? Okay. Use King James for it. Let's see if it's it. <clears throat> Romans 14, 23, King James. And he that doubteth, doubteth, is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Crystal clear. Romans. So, fear is sin. Because if it's not of faith, it's sin. Is it Bible? Because this is talking about eating food sacrificed to idols and you are having a bad conscience about it but god says that to the christian who is mature sacrifice to idols or not we all know that it's, there's only one god the rest are nothing so you pray give thanks bless it and eat freely but if your conscience is pricking you and you are feeling condemned don't eat it and then he also goes on to talk about the other person watching you and not eating for their sake but at the end of the day, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, 1 John 1, 7. So how many understand clearly that the light is the word? We walk in the light, meaning we walk in the word. And just by walking in the word, what does it mean to walk in the word? To read the Bible, to practice the Bible, to do the Bible, to have the Bible richly in you, to know the Bible, to read the Bible, to fellowship with the Bible. And when you fellowship in the Bible, you are fellowshipping with God's presence. But if you walk in the light of his word, as he is in the light, because God is in his word, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us 
from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The best of Christians, all we need to do is to quote First John 1, 8 to them to say that they are liars. If they say they are not sin, they, they, are not, they don't fall short. That's why Kenneth again used to say, how many here are not sinners, have not sinned since you became Christians, but you are good people? Then he say, whose hands are up so I can pray for liars? Because the Bible calls them liars. Okay. How many are getting me so far? So, the word of God is important. When we walk in the word, many Christians, honestly speaking, having a quiet time every day is hard. Or is it just me? It's hard. It's easier to pray. It's easier to pray than to read the Bible. Easy. So, the, the hard road is the Bible. Having the Bible. Reading the Bible. Does that mean that those who don't read their Bible every day but really want to are going to hell? The Bible has never said that and the Bible cannot say that. And will never say that. It's just, we are just showing signs and symptoms of, or, 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 or things to look out for. Does it mean if you don't pray you are going to hell? The Bible doesn't say that. But what the Bible is saying is that prayer and the word show that we are Jesus' sheep. Because we hear his voice, he knows us, and we follow him. You can't follow someone who has not given you instructions. And he gives you instructions through his word. So if Jesus says that he gives his sheep eternal life, and qualifications of a sheep are that he knows them, and they know him, and they follow him, and then we've read what we read in, about prayer and we've also read 1st John 1 7 then it's pretty clear that a Christian who is walking in Christ is praying to him and reading the Bible so if you are a Christian and you are not doing that there's nothing to be condemned about rather pray to God and ask God to help you to pray help you to read the Bible tell him that Lord I am a Christian I know I'm a Christian I know there are cares of this world. There are so many things that prevent me from reading. Anytime I'm about to have my quiet time, I open my Bible, then the phone rings. Or then I remember that there's a problem. Lord, help me to put aside all these things so that I can read your word. Because I know that that is what you want me to do. Then you are talking. Then you are talking. Hallelujah. God is not fighting anyone. God has enough grace. But nevertheless... We shouldn't take advantage of his grace, but there's plenty of grace for such things where he's able to help us to draw near to him, to read his word. All we need to do is to ask him. All we need to do is to ask him. Oh, for me, the discussions I have with God, when there's an issue, I tell him because he sees clearly. I say, you and I, we know that this is my problem. Lord, we, we know this is the situation. Lord, we know. Help me to do what I need to do. Number seven, the cross. Acts eleven twenty six. Now we've read already that anyone who does not take up their cross cannot be Jesus' disciples. We read it earlier on. Now Acts eleven twenty six. Let's use NLT for this. <clears throat> now, 
anyone who does not take up their cross what cannot be my disciple jesus said so it means that anyone who is a disciple has a cross true or false according to what jesus said when we read it earlier on uh, even if, if luke 14 25 to 33 when you read that it clearly states that very good now acts eleven twenty six 26 nlt says when he found him he brought him back to antioch both of them stayed there with the church for a full year teaching great numbers of people it was there at antioch that the believers were first called christians look at king james for this we only want verse 26 verse 26 king james uh -huh. when you say read in king james it explains it disciples so that no one says well disciple believer no and and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So it means that a Christian is a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Scary now. So it also means that a Christian is someone who is a disciple, which also means that a Christian is someone, let me start again. A Christian is someone who is a disciple. Now a disciple is someone who has a cross. Therefore a Christian is someone who has a cross. If you don't have a cross, then it means that you must question whether you are a Christian. Not according to me, but according to Jesus. Jesus was raw, clear, clean. He said it clearly, and now I'm just a messenger, and I'm speaking to myself and to everyone. You can put your hands together for the Lord. It's better to be radical because Jesus was radical. I take the Bible literally. When the Bible says A, it means A. When the Bible is talking about something with israel or saying that israel should go and do this i know certain of those things don't apply to me he says that take the ark there's no ark here i can take the presence <laughs> hallelujah when the bible says okay take a sheep and slaughter there are certain things we know don't apply to us but when it applies to us it applies to us jesus says if any man will come after me and will be my disciple any man he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me now we've also found out that the disciples were called Christians first. So it means that the title Christian came in the, during the time of the church at Antioch. But that in the past they were not called Christians. Oh, disciple of Yeshua. Oh, that's the disciple of Christos. That, yeah, these are the disciples. Peter, these are the disciples. Then later on they decided that, look, these, these disciples, they are Christ-like. They are followers of their anointed one of, of Christos. So let's give them the title Christos people, Christian. Christ-like, a Christian, someone who follows Christ, a disciple. That's why the road is narrow. Now you ask yourself, all throughout the world, how many Christians take up their cross? And taking up your cross doesn't mean you take out a literal cross like that man on TV and who had his cross. No, no, no. It just means that what am I prepared? I'm prepared to sacrifice. I'm prepared to lose. I'm prepared to die. I'm prepared to do anything. When I say die, it just means, uh, uh, it doesn't mean kill yourself. It just means I'm prepared to die, meaning that I'll go somewhere where God wants me to go to preach. If I die in the process, so be it. That's what it means. Even though we are going to live long. In Jesus' name. We are not dying anytime soon by the grace of God. But we must be prepared. I'm prepared to be ashamed for Jesus. The cross of shame. I'm prepared to give up everything for Jesus. I'm prepared to give up sleep. 
That's what we're talking about. I'm prepared to give up money. That's what we are talking about. I'm, to pre I'm prepared to give up time for Jesus. I'm prepared to give up something I like. I'm prepared to give up what I would have gained. I'm prepared to give up what is rightfully mine. I'm prepared to suffer tiredness, suffer shame, suffer uh, hunger. There are some places if, if, you, if you don't eat lunch, it's like the world has come to an end. Lunch. <laughs> some people, lunch, if they are sad, it's like, ah, I'm about to die. Lunch. You must be prepared to give up whatever. You must be prepared to, you must be prepared to give up comfort. I don't like giving up comfort, but if I have to, I have to. Otherwise, this verse will be staring at me. Trust me. The way my relationship with God, it will stare. It will stare at me. I, 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 by the grace of God, I can't see myself saying, no, I can't do this because of this. I, I can't win a soul because I'm afraid that there's, there are murderers here. I, I, anyway, I can't, I, can't, I can't do this because there are roaches around or I'll be on the bare floor. So because of that, I win souls. I, I, I won't be, because this verse will come right at me. It will be staring at me in the face. I can't do that. Because I believe the Bible practically. When the Bible says A, it means A. Yeah. That, that's how I live. If I'm off, and the Bible says what you're doing is off, I say, God, I'm off. We all know I'm off. Help me to move on. Amen? That's a cross. the cross. Philippians 1.29 and then we close with one more quick one. Hallelujah. For unto you who is the you? Includes you, right? For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. That's the hard road. NLT. What can we give up for Jesus? What can we give up for Jesus? What are you and I willing to give up for Jesus? Our Christian life, we can't give up much for him. That's the truth. I'm talking to, it's not just me, I'm talking to we as Christians. The modern day Christians today, we can't give up much for Jesus. Isn't that the truth? We can't give up much for Jesus. We can't. Even when we are giving up, then it's difficult. I'm talking about our lives. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. But how many believe that the Christian will say, yes, I believe in Christ, I trust him, but to suffer for him, no. Galatians 2.20 NLT Galatians 2.20-21 Time is up. Uh, Galatians 2 Start from 19 I think because it's not King James 19 Okay 
For when I tried to keep the law, I realized I could never earn God's approval. So I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. This is the Christian. This is the Christian life. I myself no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The Christian is not supposed to be alive. The Christian is supposed to have died. And as they came into newness of life, Christ is the one who was living in them. That's the Christian. But many say, Christ, be under. <laughs> Let me live. But the one who is crucified with Christ says, I myself no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then it goes on. Now let's use King James, Galatians 2.20 only. This is how I learned it. King James. Just 20, Galatians 2.20. Let's close quickly. I am crucified with Christ. As Jesus was crucified, I was mortifying the deeds of the flesh. I was also being crucified with him. Even though I was crucified with Christ, I am alive. Nevertheless, I live. But even though I'm alive, I'm not the one living, but it is Jesus Christ who is living in me. And the life I am now living, I am, this life is a life which is being lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is this the average thing you see for a Christian today in the world? Michael, no. But this is it. This, this is the Christian life. It is free. Salvation is free. But to live the Christian life, it is a price we pay. Salvation is free, but we pay a price to live for Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, they say. What do you think? Very important. Very important. So anytime I need to choose all the time, if I have to choose, there's, there's danger or there's a loss here. Or there's gain. If I gain, someone will not be saved and uh, uh, have been given a choice. It will be staring at me, so I have to choose the loss. Generally, all else I feel, but I, I always try to do that. Those who know me try to do, yeah. Confidently, I say it. Because if I choose again, then my mind, God is saying, oh, really? You chose that. It's not, it's not that he's going to punish me. But because I want to please, it's not that he's going to punish me, I'm going to hell for that. No, 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 no. There's no hell matter in this. But if I want to please him, why should I choose the life one, the, 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 the gain? I will only choose the gain if it's not going to cost a salvation or going to cost what Jesus wants me to do. Then I have to choose the gain because I also want to gain financially and all the ways. But if my uh, uh, help, doing what God wants me to do or saving the soul or helping someone is going to cost a loss, I'll have to do it gladly. Yeah. The next one will do it another uh, message. But how many are get what I'm saying? 
the cross and crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live it. This verse, let's memorize it. Galatians 2.20, King James. I am crucified with Christ. Even as an unbeliever, I knew this verse because someone, uh, Pastor uh, 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 Owas, wonderful pastor, prayed for me many times to give my life to Christ. Wonderful guy. He taught me this verse. Came a Christian short time when he, he talked to me about an accident, something wild will happen. <laughs> you know, and he preached to me. I gave my life to Christ, and then somehow I deviated when I uh, uh, went to high school, just when I was young. He taught me this. I knew this as an unbeliever, and I always said it, said it, said it. So now, as a Christian, this is always there. I'm crucified with Christ. My life I live is not mine. My life is not my own. To you I belong. My life is not mine. My life is, should not be mine. Your life is not yours. We have been bought with a price. Our bodies are to glorify God. My life is not mine. My life is Jesus' life. Or my life is for Jesus. And Jesus should be living in me and have his free course to do what he wants to do in people's lives through me. It can't be that I'm alive and Christ is the substitute who needs to plead to do what he wants to do. No. The other way, Jesus is living through me and I am the one who should be pleading, Lord, let me do this, let me do this because it's not my life, it's yours. I'm not aware, just at a time. Shall we stand to our feet? Let's speak to Jesus. Let's ask him for more grace. More grace. The narrow and the straight gate. I gave myself, I gave myself to you. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. To you. I give myself to you. I give, I give myself.
Thank you for all you do. Thank you for showing us the narrow way to heaven. We bless and worship you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Whilst we're watching, whilst you're watching, if you know in your heart that you don't know Jesus Christ, ask your Lord and Savior. If you know in your heart that if you die today, you do not know whether you go to heaven or hell. But you want Jesus Christ to save you. You want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You want him to take you to heaven when you die. You want him to, 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 to live in you and be your Lord and your God. Then I want you to repeat after me, including all of us. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. That he died on the cross for my sins. I believe. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. That his blood was shed for my sins. I believe, I believe that God raised him from the dead. The God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We may take our seats. If you've prayed this prayer, you're born again, and I want to encourage you to be a good Christian. Go to church, read your Bible, pray every day, and God will bless you. Amen. Some people feel that I can do church at home. You will not find any, a single scripture back in that, not even one. If you can find one, just send me a, a text or email, but that will be impossible because Hebrews 10 says that we shouldn't neglect the gathering of ourselves together as the manner of some is. 
So I want to encourage you who have just given your life to Christ to go to church every Sunday and God will bless you. Go to church. It's very important. Hallelujah. Amen. Offering time. Blessing time. Blessing time. Let's give a good offering to the Lord. Those here and also those online. I want to say God bless you to the viewers online. Amen. And I want to say also give. You can give and God will bless you. Hallelujah. Let's give to, uh, um, you know, text give to the number on the screen. Or just PayPal. And Zell. Zell PayPal is the same email address, ChristReveal21 at gmail.com. So give a good offering to the Lord to bless him for all you've done, he's done for you. Hallelujah. Father God, bless our offering in Jesus' name. Amen. I have come to say thank you, Lord. I have come to give you my Have your way in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray and the saints said, Amen.